Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read, uh, starting in verse 18, read a few verses here. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The title of the message this morning is Jesus Saves. But before we go any further, let's pray one more time. Father, again, we thank you for allowing us to be here. We allow... Uh, we pray again that you would guide us as we open your word uh, this morning as we study it. We pray uh, that, Father, you would teach us what we need to see uh, from your word today. We pray that, uh, uh, Father, you would speak to each of our hearts. We pray the Holy Spirit would be free to move among us and uh, work as he sees fit in each of our lives. Guide us as we uh, study together today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us have heard the words, Jesus saved at some point in our lives, haven't we? Uh, preachers preach them. We sing about them. If you grew up in the South, you have heard those words how many times? Jesus saves. You see it on placards that have been nailed to trees when you're driving down the road. You see it on bulletin boards. You see it on uh, bumper stickers everywhere. We've been inundated with those words, Jesus saves. It can be to the point where uh, some people see those words, but they don't really know what it means or what that, that phrase or those two words mean. And sometimes it's, it's helpful for us to just be reminded from what the, of what those two words mean. Uh, we read in our text, verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's a biblical message. Jesus saves. He came here to do that, didn't he? We'll talk about that as we go forward. Uh, in a few minutes. But it's helpful for us to be reminded of what those words mean sometimes because we can all have personal opinions of what that means. Well, Jesus saves, it means this or it means that. But I've found a whole lot, of, uh, as with so many things in life, personal opinions aren't always the best uh, to rely on, are they? I can have one opinion, so you, each of you can have a different opinion, and so on some days I might have more than one opinion about the same uh, topic, and, and you've probably been that same way sometimes. So it's not a, a good enough for us to just have a personal opinion of what it means to, to uh, hear those words Jesus saves. It's also not necessarily sufficient just to know what a particular church or a particular denomination teaches, because sometimes something may be lost there, and we may miss something. So where do we get the, the information we need about that term, Jesus saves? We get it from right here in the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word. He has spoken to us, and He has given us a message of what that means, what it means when we say that Jesus saves. So that's where we want to look. And today I want us to take a look at what Scripture has to say about that message that Jesus saves. We're going to look at several, uh, uh, or several items that are involved in that message, that clear message that Jesus saves. And I'm going to, uh, we're going to be looking at different passages of Scripture. I'll, I'll tell you which verses I'm, I'm uh, reading. You don't have to turn there. I don't, I don't ever want this to be a marathon of flipping around pages. Uh, that's something we have children do sometimes, and, and 
when they're young in Sunday school, it keeps them busy. It keeps their fingers doing something, you know, besides pulling each other's hair and all that. But I won't have you do all of that today. Uh, you are free to turn to these passages if you wish, but you don't have to. With that said, I want us to look at the biblical message of the fact that Jesus Christ saves. The first thing I want us to look at is that Jesus came to earth to save. And Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11 tells us this, The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. He came to earth with the intent of saving people who were lost. Scripture makes it very clear that Jesus is God's Son. It's very clear in Scripture. He existed throughout all eternity with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The three persons of the, of the Godhead, the three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son came to earth with the intent to save that which was lost. He was present when the heavens and the earth were created. He was there. He existed throughout all eternity with God. And actually, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17 tell us that the Son of God created all that was created and that He now sustains all that was created. We have our being. Everything that exists, exists because the Son of God still exists. And He maintains, He sustains everything that there is. He created Adam and Eve. He was a part of that. And he saw when they fell in sin, when they made a conscious decision to disobey God. The, the, the Son of God saw that. Jesus saw that. God was grieved over the presence of human sin. Uh, prior to Adam and Eve sinning, they had perfect fellowship with God. We were even told that in the cool of the day, God would walk with Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. And they would enjoy that perfect fellowship. But when they, did, when they deliberately chose to sin, they broke that fellowship with God. Jesus, the Son of God, saw that and He felt that, the grief over that broken fellowship with Adam and Eve. He wanted fellowship with His people. God has always wanted fellowship with His people, but God could not tolerate sin. God could not overlook the fact that people had sinned and plunged themselves into the depths of that depravity. He couldn't overlook it. They had lost their perfect relationship with a holy God when they sinned. Hence, the scripture tells us that refers to all of us, all of their descendants, as lost in our sins. Because we too have lost that perfect fellowship that Adam and Eve had with God. So Jesus came to earth to save. What do you call, just a question, what do you call someone who sins? Call them a sinner, don't you? That leads to the second point. Jesus not only came to earth to save, He came <coughs> to save sinners. Isn't that good news for all of us? Because I think we'd all have to agree we are sinning people. We're born that way, we have a sin nature, and we give into it way too often. If you don't believe that, watch any toddler. You don't have to be old to become a sinner. You just watch them and the way they behave with each other and the way that just the, the absolute fury that you'll see on the, the eyes of a two-year-old if another two-year-old takes his toy. Ah, it's just, you just see that rage seething there. And so there's just the seed of sin even with young children. And as we get older, it gets worse because the opportunities that we have to sin as adults are far greater than when we were two because we've got all kinds of freedom. We can do all kinds of things. We can get ourselves in all kinds of mischief, can't we? 
That's what Adam and Eve did when they took their eyes off of God. God had said, you can eat of any fruit in the garden except this one. Don't, don't eat that one. And they looked at it, and Eve, the devil tempted Eve, and she looked and she said, that looks really pretty. I like that fruit. It looks good. I can imagine her saying, smells pretty good too. Mmm, i got to have it. Isn't that the way we are with sin? we got to have it. We look at it. That's what Jesus came to earth to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 tells us, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul added this, Of whom I am chief. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 tell us this, When the fullness of of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus Christ came to earth, yes. He came to save, yes, but He came to save sinners. And I'm glad of that because I was a sinner. He came to save me and to give me the adoption or the the opportunity to be adopted as a child of God into His family. Isn't that good news? God wasn't satisfied for people to remain lost in that sinful condition. They'd lost their fellowship. He had lost his fellowship with them because of their sin, but he was not satisfied that they remained that way. So at just the right time, Galatians, uh, Paul told the Galatians, at just the right time, when the time was right, he sent his only begotten son to come into the world to save sinners. And the apostle Paul considered himself to be the worst sinner of all. Another question. You ever you ever reached a point where you thought maybe that was true of you too? I got to be the worst sinner of all. I'm so thankful that Jesus died for me. We can all feel that way, can't we? No matter how good we would like to be, every one of us has sinned against God. No matter how good we might think we are, we're all still sinners, aren't we? And we needed Jesus Christ to come and to die for us to provide the means for us to be sinners. So Jesus came to earth to save Jesus came to earth to save sinners. Jesus came to earth to save by how? By taking away sin. John chapter 1 and verse 29 tells us this. It says that one day, John the Baptist was out uh, preaching. He was uh, calling people to repentance. He was baptizing people to repentance. And he pointed out someone who was coming toward him. He saw Jesus coming toward him. And he called out, Behold the Lamb of God. And then he said, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's why Jesus came. He came to save sinners, yes, but He came to do it by taking away their sin. That's the best news anybody had ever heard, isn't it? To say, there's the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world. By the way, the word gospel, that simply means good news. John just gave them the best news they'd ever heard of because John, everyone in John's audience that day, they knew they were sinners. That's why they were there. They came to hear Him preach the message of repentance. They knew they were sinners. They knew God was holy and that God demanded holiness from His people. And they knew they could never give that holiness. John was calling them to repent of their sin, but deep in their hearts they knew, I can never live a sinless life. I'm going to continue to sin. So then, But they came to John. They heard this message. They knew they could not be righteous because of the sin in their lives, just like we do. We know that. We've got sin in our lives, so we can't be righteous either. Not in our own. Not on our own, can we? So how is it that Jesus, the Lamb of God, 
could save them. How is it that he could take away their sin? Well, let's look at that. The fourth thing that we can see in the message of Jesus saves is Jesus came to save by his own blood. He came to shed innocent blood. Colossians 1 and verse 14 describes Jesus as the one in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That's how he could remove our sin. He could pay the price. The Old Testament, you'll recall, it describes animal sacrifices. And it goes into incredible depth on uh, the details of the animal sacrifices. I've been reading that just recently uh, through the the Pentateuch, especially in uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And you see all of the intricate details about the, the animal sacrifices. The innocent blood of those animals, God said, you're going to shed that blood and it will cover your sins. It won't take them away. It'll cover them until a better sacrifice comes. Jesus was to be that better sacrifice. But until that happened, they continued day after day, week after week, month after month, generation after generation, they continued to give those blood sacrifices. And those sacrifices, why did they do them any good? Because God had said, if you'll bring those sacrifices, if you'll do it this way, if you'll bring this kind of animal, if you'll have the right people sacrifice those at the right time, at the place that I appointed, I promise you that will cover your sins. They brought those sacrifices in faith that God would keep His Word and that those sacrifices would be profitable for them. And so they brought them. And Jesus came, as John the Baptist said, as the Lamb of God. Do you remember who John the Baptist was? Do you remember who his parents were? When we read the story of his birth, his dad was a priest. His mother was a daughter of the the priestly line of Aaron. I'm going to tell you, this family knew a sacrificial lamb when they saw it. They knew the process that went through when you selected that lamb. It couldn't have any blemish. It couldn't have any spot. There could be no disease. There could be no injuries. There couldn't, the the fur, or the wool, sorry, lambs don't have fur, do they? The wool had to be perfect. If there was any any kind of uh, uh, defect in it at all, that animal couldn't be used for a sacrifice. John knew these things. When he looked out in the crowd and he saw Jesus coming, he said, there he is. He's the perfect Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin, not to cover it like the lambs we've been sacrificing. He said he came to cover it. And so Jesus did come. He came as that perfect Lamb of God whose blood did a whole lot more than cover. It came to wash away our sins. That's what was effective for us, isn't it? He came to wash them away. Revelation 1 And verse 5 tells us that Jesus loved us and washed us from sins in His own blood or from our sin. Isn't that good news? The news just keeps getting better, doesn't it? Uh, Because Jesus came to earth to save. Jesus came to save sinners who some days I would agree with Paul and the chief of those. Jesus came to save by taking away sin. Jesus came to save by His own blood. The next thing we see in Scripture is Jesus came to save from all iniquity. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 reads like this. It describes Jesus as the one who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Don't you like that, that term? He came to redeem us from all iniquity. He doesn't just take away part of our sin. He came to take away all of it. Because 
a partial payment wouldn't work, would it? Would it have been something we would call gospel or good news if Jesus had said, I'm here, I came to take away 25% of your sin, the other 75% is on you. Would that have helped anyone? Would that have put a smile on your face? Because we are sinful people and we have sinned against an infinitely holy God. That makes us worthy of eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. So for Jesus to have said, I I came to take away part of your sin. I'm going to wash it away with my blood. That's great news for you. That wouldn't have been good news at all. He said, I came to take it all to redeem us from all iniquity. Isn't that good news? When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, all of that sin is washed away forever. And it will never come back. It will never come back to haunt us. It doesn't mean that we stop sinning at that point. As long as we're in these bodies, in this life, we still have a sin nature. And we're still going to be tempted to sin. And unfortunately, even as Christians, we will, we will fail from time to time. But what he said is, I paid the, the sin debt. I paid the debt that you owe. And that sin has been washed away. And you don't have to worry about that anymore. I've done it forever. We put our trust in Him. All that sin is washed away. We become a part of God's family. And the good news is we become one of God's children. That's good news. Don't you want to be a part of God's family forever? And to be said that that will never change. You're born into a family on, the, in this, on this planet. And you may, you may fuss and fight and all of that, but you're never going to lose being a part of that family. You still carry that family name. Well, it's the same, only much better with God's family. You still carry that name. And we want to do everything we can not to dishonor that name, don't we? I don't want to drag the name of Jesus through the mud because of bad behavior on my part. I don't think anyone else does. We are part of God's family. And there's nothing that can ever take us away from it. And Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read a couple of verses. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul Uh, Writing to the church at Rome, he said this, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The news just keeps getting better when you read through the scriptures, doesn't it? He's, He's pretty much covered everything here. He says, death is not going to separate us from the love of God. That's good news. Because someday we will all face that last breath. And if we have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear death. Because the scriptures say, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord immediately. That's good news. He also says that life cannot separate us from the love of God. It means that nothing that happens in this lifetime can separate us. If we've trusted Jesus Christ, That means if I fall and I commit some sin that I had no intention of doing, that's not going to separate me from the love of God because His sacrifice was enough to pay that sin debt. He says that angels can't separate us from the love of God. Not that they would ever want to. He says that principalities, powers, those are references scholars tell us to demonic influences. Demons can't. They can't separate us from the love of God. The devil himself would love to. Satan would love to separate us from the love of God. Paul says, no, can't do it. 
Jesus paid the price. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when we have put our trust in Him, we are secure. He says that uh, things present can't separate us from the love of God. Nothing that's going on right now in this world, in the present world we live in, as bad as the news may seem, none of that can separate us from the love of God. Then he says, things to come can't separate us. We don't have to fear what's going to happen tomorrow. There are people in this world who are living in fear every day because there's some kind of war going on in the, in the Ukraine or the Middle East. We don't have to be afraid of that. If we've trusted Jesus Christ, our eternal destiny is secure. We don't have to worry about it. None of those things can separate us. He says uh, depth or height, they can't separate us. And no other creature, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Is that not good news today? The news that Jesus saves. Sin always separates lost people from a holy God. It always does. But God's love through the Lord Jesus Christ brings us back to Himself. We had lost that. The human race had lost that, that fellowship with God. But Jesus said, I'm going, I'm going down there and I'm going to look for the lost and I'm going to bring it to myself. So anyone who will trust Him can be saved. Jesus came to earth to save. Jesus came to earth to save sinners. Jesus came to save by taking away sin. Jesus came to save by His own blood. Jesus came to save from all iniquity. That is all good news. Now I'll close with this. One more thing. Jesus came to save because no one else could. He is the only one who can save. Acts 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only the name of Jesus Christ. It is only the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of God. He is the only one who can save. No one else or no one has ever been able to save himself. I can tell you, as soon as Adam and Eve took the bite, the first bite of that forbidden fruit, if there had been anything they could have done to save themselves, they would have looked for it. They would have found, they would have searched high and low, and they lived many, many years after that. They would have spent every day looking for that, but they knew. Sin had entered their life. There was nothing they could do that saved themselves. In sin, we are lost, and we don't have any way to find our way back to God. It would be like being lost in that fog last night. You could, without the proper light, you couldn't see anything. With the proper light, it was very difficult to say. It was a long drive to Reedsville from here last night in that fog. In sin, we're lost. We don't have a way to find our way back to God. Only Jesus, the sinless Son of a holy God, only He could ever save us. He came to earth as one of us. He was fully human. And yet, Scripture says He was fully God. He had the, the, the human nature. We talked about this last night. And he had God's nature as well. He came here. As a man, he was tempted just like we are. Imagine that. Uh, all the temptations that we have faced over the years. The temptation to, to tell something that's not true. The temptation to, to gossip about someone. Or the temptation to take something that wasn't his. The temptation to talk back to his parents when he was a child. All of those temptations that we face, and, and so many, many more, he faced every one of them. But he did it without sinning. He wasn't born with a sin nature like we are, that we inherited from our, 
our first parents, Adam and Eve. So his blood was sinless. His blood was sinless. And so he could be the one to take away our sins, not just cover it up. He came as that sacrifice. It allowed him to pay the penalty for our sin. And I say to you, I stand here this morning, and I say to you, there is still no better message than anyone's ever heard. There, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist said. So there's a question this morning. There's a question I'll leave you with as, as we get ready to close. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning? That's a very serious question for everyone to ask themselves, isn't it? Everyone. If the answer to that question is yes, then I say well, on, the, on the full authority of Scripture, you are a child of the living God. You're not lost anymore. You've been found by the Savior who came looking for you. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. A few verses later in Romans 10, 13, we're told, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That shall is a big word. It's not might be saved if the, if the weather's right or if certain conditions are right. It says they shall be saved by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By putting our trust in Him, we shall be saved. And that's the authority of God in those words. Go back to the question, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? If the answer to that question is no, the Bible says that you're not in God's family. And that's not a comfortable place to be when you know that death is approaching each one of us every day and it could happen at any time. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not, you haven't been found. You're still lost in your sin. Though Jesus came looking for you, you are still, as the scripture says, lost in your sin. And the worst part of it is you are still liable for that sin. Anyone who has never trusted Jesus as their Savior is still liable for their own sins. So I would, uh, I would ask this morning, if anyone's here and you've never trusted Christ, don't go another day without that because we don't know how long our lives are. We don't know how much more time we have. Uh, so I would, I would beseech you this morning, uh, put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's, a very, it's not a complicated process. We've said before, salvation is free, but it costs Jesus a huge price. And He was willing to pay that. He came to us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, and He's still in the business of saving people. Let's pray. Father, thank You for again for the message of Scripture that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, every one of us was in that, in, in that category of lost people. We had no fellowship with You. Sin separated us. And it was a mighty, uh, huge gulf between You and us. But we're thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ, when the time was right, in the fullness of time, He came. He came to earth. He came to uh, save. He came to save sinners. He came to save us by removing all of our sin and paying that sin debt. And he did it because he was the only one who could. There is no other that we can trust for salvation. We cannot trust ourselves. We cannot trust anyone else. We certainly can't trust in the, in the, the religion of, of other family members or friends. We must put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Thank you, Lord, for those here who have done that. They, they are born again into the family of God and nothing, as we read, can separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But Father, if, there, if there's anyone here today who's never made that decision, 
We pray this might be the day, Lord, that they would seek in their hearts, that they would trust the Lord Jesus Christ today and simply put their faith in Him and the sacrifice that He made and, in, and trust in nothing else. So we pray, Father, that you might move among us in, in these uh, final moments of our service. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.